0: Welcome to the Movie Matchmakers with a fresh review on movies old and new. My name is Eunice, and I'm the mom. And I'm her daughter, Kate. Thanks for listening. Hey there. Hello.
1: Who can hear who? I can hear both. I can hear all of you.
0: I can hear Stephen. I can hear Kate. Oh, we (laughs) all.
2: All (laughs) right. Could not be harder. Don't know what
1: the problem is. No, it's not podcasting. If it's not horrible, but you know what? I think it's a good thing. Ooh, part of a podcast now. It's official podcast.
0: Yes, thank you,
2: Lord. Technical difficulties are part of it.
1: Let's get into it, man. I'm ready to bring the heat. All right.
2: Here we go. Welcome back to the movie matchmakers. I'm Kate, and I'm here with my mom, Eunice, and special guest, my older brother, Stephen. Hey,
1: guys. Hey. Hey, how's it going, you two? I'm thrilled to be here as your guest, happy and happy. I look forward to spending the next couple of hours explaining to you and your listeners in full detail why the earth Movies. we live on is flat <laughs> and why 9-11 was Movies. definitely an inside job. No-
2: <laughs> Is that what we do here, sir? We're going to need you to control I'm yourself.
1: On the, I'm on the Robin podcast, obviously.
2: Well, we'll keep you. Do you know anything about <laughs> Westerns? <laughs> we'll keep you. That him. I
1: do. I can shift. I can shift. We're des- okay, we're
0: you're, desperate. You're best, so. he, he's the one that chose these three movies.
1: <laughs> I say and I have, a, I have a big admission before you get started. Uh, Mom and I were talking about what movies to do. Mm-hmm. And I threw out that instead of doing one movie, we shouldn't. We should go way bigger and do three yes. movies. Yes. Okay. And I forgot what a horrible procrastinator I was, and I failed to watch any of it. Not wanting to <laughs> let y'all down, I did get on YouTube and clicked on the first video on each of these three movies, and I will be plagiarizing a lot of other works, and. It will be plagiarized, <laughs> albeit it will. I will sound amazing. Okay, well,
0: that's all it that counts.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of big words.
0: Lots of big words. <laughs> oh. <God. laughs>
2: well, I'm gonna start with High Noon. Read you guys the Google, um, synopsis of it. It gets seven point nine out of ten on IMDb. <gasps> Uh, 96% on rotten tomatoes. Um, Former Marshal Will Kane, Gary Cooper, is preparing to leave the small town of Hadleyville, New Mexico, with his new bride, Amy, Grace Kelly, when he learns that local criminal Frank Miller has been set free and is coming to seek revenge on the marshal who turned him in. When he starts recruiting deputies to fight Miller, Cain, Miller Kane is discouraged to find that pe- the people of Hadleyville turn cowardly when the time comes for a showdown, and he must face Miller and his cronies alone. Um, the, I think the biggest part of this movie, aside from the actors and actresses, uh, is the the featured song, the Ballad of High Noon. I don't think this movie would be anything without this song. It um, was nominated for the 1952 Academy Award and won um, for Best Original Song. It was played that night of, and
0: mm-hmm.
2: it is unique because it's got just a guitar, accordion, and novacord, which kind of made was was unusual for the time for the electronic percussion sound and uh it's sung by Tex Ritter it's like epic it's just an epic Mm -hmm. beginning it sounds you listen to it for the whole movie just wouldn't be it would not be what it is I don't think without the song it sounds like they're sitting there on the streets yes playing the song there's something unique about the way that they I don't know how they put the music into this movie but there's something really unique that they sit it sounds like they're sitting there playing
0: along <laughs> well it's a true ballad you know it's it tells the story and you know it's uh do not forsake me oh my darling mm-hmm. and it's number 25 on the afis 100 years 100 songs list oh wow and you know his son is uh john ritter he's passed away john ritter has but i saw an interview with him saying the night that his dad Text Ritter performed this tonight of the Academy Awards was just a real highlight of his career. Wow.
1: Another interesting little piece of Text Ritter, who I love because his his music's so crazy and ridiculous and fun. Most of it you can't understand. It's like it's like rap music from like the 1920s, basically, but more of a hillbilly version, is that he was a huge influence on Mr. Elvis Presley yeah. and yeah. I believe uh, one of the Elvis books I read uh, Elvis met him and credited him as being one of the major influences on his early career that was
0: very interesting. It was fun
1: movie. to watch it, to listen to watch the movie and specifically to listen to this
2: song with the closed captions on because you know some of the words that until you sit there with the closed captions on and actually read word for word, mm-hmm. I had missed several things that he was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty fun.
1: Yeah, he's basically describing the movie. <laughs> exactly. He's telling <laughs> yeah. the story.
0: It's what a ballad does, is tell the story.
1: Mm-hmm. I forgot that's what a ballad was. <laughs> I didn't know either, so we're in the same. Sure, a ballad. Oh yeah. <laughs> Another thing that Rotten Tomatoes points out because I looked at the critics because I had to plagiarize a lot, but they said, of course, like you mentioned, ninety-six uh, percent Rotten Tomatoes. They said it is a morally ambiguous movie. It's kind of hard to see that, but okay. Considered <laughs> possibly the best western of all time, and. I think up until – we'll talk about this later – maybe Unforgiven and some of these others, I think it probably was the consensus best Western of all time. Um, it's it's the the scene where Gary Cooper comes out and is in the street at his most loneliest point in the movie – is what's generally shown in the award shows mm-hmm. like the Oscars mm-hmm. when they do the video montages mm-hmm. of, like, Lawrence of Arabia, right. Casablanca. They always throw in the Gary Cooper scene from I Knew when he's at his point because it's so well acted. Yes. And you talk about a movie, even though it's only an hour and a half long and it's jam-packed from the beginning. I mean, you have to get a lot in in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. There's He's there's still a lot of silence in this movie, mm-hmm. which you wouldn't think for an hour and a half. You think they'd have to be talking and get through the storyline, but there's a lot of quiet moments mm-hmm. where he doesn't have to say a lot, but a lot is coming off of his face. And who better to do that than Gary Cooper? That's true.
0: This is the only um, Oscar that Gary Cooper won.
1: No, which I
0: didn't realize that. And you know, no. I saw an interview with Gary Cooper where he says, they were asking him saying you've done a lot of westerns what do you love about westerns and he says i love westerns because they're filled with the pioneers who love america and that's i thought that was really incredible
2: crazy. that's that's really incredible i i would have lost money that this is the only how is that even possible that this is the only movie that he want a? that's mm-hmm. ridiculous mm-hmm.
0: it also mm-hmm. won the best film editing which is not surprising and one best music that you already talked about and, and best song. It's like Steven
2: said, it's an hour and 25 minutes. Like you're popping through it, but it right. doesn't feel that way. I mean, the movie begins and ends, but it doesn't feel that way. Like Steven said, there's a lot of slow, slow amount of time, you know, slow scenes in there that just, uh, well, you
0: know. I, I, I saw an interview that talked about, that it was the way that it was filmed, that it was really stark, you know, that they made it really, you know, the way they didn't do, like they said, the expression they used is no cloud filled skies. And it's like, what, you know, it was like you, you see the railroad track, right? You know, like what Steven said, there's a lot of silence. You just see railroad track that's building up mm-hmm. to the tension You know, and, um, you know, the fact that he's coming into town, it keeps showing the clocks throughout the whole movie. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was interesting about what I I read about the clocks. And I didn't really notice this before, but it's really like it was filmed like a documentary. It's an end time. That's why the movie is the time that it is, is that really you Mm -hmm. go from the wedding right into him, you know, being faced with what he's got to do and really it's an in time um film and yeah. I, I didn't really notice that and as the clocks every time they show the clocks and the movement of the clock the clock is bigger than it was before it's almost a
1: hitchcock thing yeah read. i love that i i timed it within 10 minutes he goes from being married to mm-hmm. action wow and of course he marries uh grace kelly uh princess of morocco and in the beginning of the movie uh she's a quaker Mm -hmm. and so the thing of course that i realized immediately is gary cooper married the most gorgeous quaker (laughs) that ever existed (laughs) on the face of the earth and i know this (laughs) hours of internet i didn't watch you know this
0: from your eyes
1: didn't watch the movies but i did you google the world's hottest quakers <laughs> and two hours in i went from it from like quaker brand oatmeal to god knows what and grace what Kelly is on? the hottest quaker that ever lived on this earth please continue okay
0: and and you know it was only like her second movie
1: oh wow interesting. I interesting
0: i didn't realize that
2: no oh, i didn't either she is. I did think about that though. She looked. She did look younger than, say, um,
0: I think there was like twenty eight uh, years difference
2: between them. She did look younger though. For her, I did have that thought that I wondered where this was in her career because she looked kind of cool. slightly younger than. What is the movie that I'm thinking of with what's his name? The the cat on cat. What is the name of that movie? Are you talking anyway. about
0: Cary Grant?
2: Yes, the thief. You know anyway she she looked young. she looked younger in this than she did in that movie this so, this was her second movie crazy
0: okay also, so i, I yeah. want to say one thing is that lee van cleef he was mm-hmm. one of the bad guys
1: oh, right he, yeah he
0: is also in the man who shot liberty balance did y'all know this song? you
1: stole that from oh, me i can't believe i, I didn't stole that? from you Oh I have got a lot of movie connections but you're right Lee Van Cleef starred in both this movie and of course our next movie the man that uh uh, who
2: shot uh Liberty Valence
1: uh, Save me somebody yeah, somebody the man who shot Liberty
0: Valence yeah. <laughs> Thank you Oh I want to say one thing about High Noon though and and it has to do with the incredible part about him going back to the retired sheriff Right. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so as he's going through the uh, town, trying to to get anybody to join him. And there's one excuse after another excuse. Then he ends up in the retired sheriff's uh, house. And this is a man, he says he's known his whole life, that he has learned everything he knows from him. And he says, um, and it is Lon Cheney Jr., and and his response to Gary Cooper is yeah you risk your skin catching killers and the juries just turn them loose to come back to shoot you in the yeah. end you wind up you wind up dying all alone on some dirty street and then he goes on and says the arthritis in my hands would would i, I wouldn't be any good to you because of the arthritis in my hands he said I would go out there to try to help you, and you would be worried about me, and you would die trying to protect me. And I thought it was a really incredible part of the movie. I think
1: with some of these old movies for me is uh, I kind of disconnect with old movies, almost like I'm going into a play. And I just want Mm -hmm. people to look the part. Mm -hmm. Grace Kelly looks the part. Gary Cooper looks the part. The three bad guys, including Lee Van Cleef, at the train station, oh. right before the train pulls up, they do like this close-up. And the three of them days. are basically yes. head-to-head. Yes. Dirty face. If, if someone was like writing a Western comic, you couldn't make some of these pictures as artistic. No. The bad guy's bad, good guy's good, the women beautiful. As they made this artistic Mm -hmm. thing. So that's what I would say for some people looking at these old movies that it's more of an artistic expression sometimes Um, than it is this hardened, like, really trying to find edgy. It, It doesn't have to be that. It can be an artistic expression where you just find a bad guy that looks bad. You plug him in a good guy that looks good. And you can just fall into that narrative.
2: Yeah. The, the cinematography, right. Yes, for all, yes. for a lot of late fifties, early sixties movies. Um, man, it's all, it is an art. It is really mm-hmm. stunningly beauty, beautiful. It's a theme, right. That I don't think they necessarily had before and has been lost for the majority, but there you had this section of years where the cinematography on a lot of these movies and made in that time are just downright stunning. The people that they choose, the way that they frame it—I mean, mm-hmm. the man that who shot *Liberty Valance*, I—I I thought that too. It's a really, yeah. you know, from a cinematography standpoint it's beautiful it's it's framed it's, be- it's,
1: it's prettier it's, in black and white it is it's really pretty
0: <laughs> i saw the so. interview with the fred zinneman the director of of high noon and he said the at the point that fred what was his name frank miller is coming into town the train mm-hmm. is coming it mm-hmm. went and i and i went back to look at this they they had everything planned to where the train was just going to come right up to them. So the train is coming around the bend, and you see the white smoke, and then the smoke turns black. And the reason that the smoke turned black was that the, the actual um, train conductor was trying to tell them that the brakes were out. No. And they barely literally just got out of the way at the very last minute. Oh, wow. And you know, the, the one that did this uh cinematography is Floyd Crosby. Mm-hmm. And his son was David Crosby, is David Crosby of Crosby Stills a Nash and Young. And he he said wow. over he said as he was growing up, his dad would talk about this movie and how proud he was of this movie.
2: Amazing. Well, the man who shot Liberty Valance, so 1962, we'll just keep rolling. Um, let me read the IMBD 8.1 out of 10. Questions arise when Senator Stoddard, James Stewart, attends a funeral of a local man named Tom Donovan, John Wayne, in a small Western town. Flashing back, we learn Donovan saved Stoddard, then a lawyer. When he was roughed up by a crew of outlaws ta- terrorizing the town led by li- led by Liberty balance. As the territory's safety hung in the balance, Donovan and his daughter, two of the only people standing up to him proved to be very important, but different foes, but different foes to balance and director was John Ford. Um, yeah. So y'all made the connection beat that the bad guy so Levian cleef was in both.
0: I didn't realize that either. Until I'd I like went back and saw first. both. Yeah, right.
1: go. Since mom that was that was the thing I was most excited about is making <laughs> that connection. And I'm gonna try to steal a bunch of other connections because mom's way further in this than me. And so uh, I'm gonna throw out a word if you don't hurry. I'm gonna say it. Okay, ninety four percent of rotten tomatoes. <laughs> oh that's what uh, it is. <laughs> this film is certainly a slower burn than high noon i for me john ford the thing you have to recognize about john ford is everything's going to be a slower burn with him he's going to engage mm-hmm. a lot more characters mm-hmm. everybody from the dishwasher to the main character and It's so much about like the secondary characters that the Mm -hmm. great John Wayne is in a supporting role. Yeah. If if you can get John Wayne to be in a supporting role, you have James Stewart, Mm -hmm. uh, Vera Miles. Andy um, Devine, who I love. I love Andy (laughs) Devine. Lee Marvin. Lee Marvin was amazing. And, And Lee Marvin did so many great movies. You might say this was the best Lee Marvin Role because mm-hmm. he's so evil, dominating, and and it, it's just shocking. So that's that's the thing that I recognize. And and John Ford was that way. He really did try to bring in a lot of supporting actors because mm-hmm. uh one of the, all is that John Ford really felt like he really conveyed a lot of secondary themes, such as like democracy yeah. and the American spirit. And actually, uh, he has a lot of immigrants yeah, he does. in his roles. Uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Funny thing is the father of Vera Miles in The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance is also her father in John Wayne, John Ford's The Searchers.
0: Wow. Yeah, he I
1: is. I just wanted to beat mom to That's that. It's hilarious. <laughs> you would have totally
0: beat me out of that one. I didn't know that.
1: Good. Well, and it's the same role for her yeah. father. They're both immigrants. It's it's the American mm-hmm. dream. They have a daughter, and in this case, they want what's best for their American daughter. She's first-generation American mm-hmm. in The Searchers and in The uh, Man Shot Liberty Valance. And in this case, Vera Miles, phenomenal actress, generally plays the same role in, in both of those movies, which is kind of the high-spirited Frontiers woman, Um, (laughs) but in this movie, she can't read, and you would think like a high spirited woman like that would go for more of the Mm John kind of surprising that she goes for. Well,
0: he's so so kind, and he's the one that teaches her to read, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: yeah. And she, Mm -hmm.
2: she, uh, you know, she has those moments where she that that made she made elena laugh elena is my oldest so she made elena laugh a lot because she's so bossy i mean she walked in and she's like sit down (laughs) (laughs) she's just (laughs) but she's sweet at the same time it's it's really cute and obviously choosing it's not like she didn't care for john Wayne's character which is really evident at the end of the movie she obviously really cared for him yes um
1: it's a it's a sweet part of the movie
0: So, Stephen, what about the word pilgrim?
1: John Wayne does say pilgrim about 200 times in this movie.
0: (laughs) This is the first movie he said that. Oh, really? Isn't that amazing? And so, do you know what? There was only one other movie that he uses the word pilgrim in. Do you have any idea?
1: Maybe Stagecoach.
0: McClintock. Okay. Okay. Isn't that interesting? I thought that I thought he used the word pilgrim in a lot of movies.
1: And this is kind of the the one thing that I think ties all of these movies together. We're going to cover Unforgiven next, but one of the last scenes is the journalist slash editor of the paper. Yeah, I love talking to Jimmy Stewart. The phrase that he utters that I think connects all of these movies together things that we about. He says that print. Yeah, and I think that's important is what we tend to do. And um, you kind
0: of faded out a little bit there. Say it. Say that. Say that again.
1: Yeah yeah uh the editor/journalist slash journalist at the end of the movie when he's take, talking to James uh or Jimmy Stewart he says when the legend becomes the fact print the legend yeah. yeah which is basically what we've done every culture does that but that's kind of the connecting theme i thought that connects all of these three movies that we're talking about um because it's this there is alternate realities based on the character's viewpoint that we're looking at. And I think we'll see it more when we get into unforgiven, but I think that's the, I think the man who shot Liberty Valance is the, the connecting tissue in between high noon and unforgiven.
2: Yeah. I will just say one last thing about the man who shot Liberty Valance before you realize that it's John Wayne's character right that that's in the casket i it's kind of there's no way i'm sorry but that was a goof i think there's no way john wayne would have fit in that size of a casket
1: <laughs> It
2: was way too small i was looking at it before i realized and then you find out okay at the end of the movie you're like oh it's john wayne you're like Wait a second. <laughs> Somebody didn't get their measuring tape out because there's no way he would have fit that. <laughs> funny, that's funny. Oh, yeah. Especially now with his boots on.
0: <laughs>
1: We're down the conspiracy so, trail. Let's keep going.
0: Okay. Son, so, so lead, lead us into unforgiven.
1: Do it. All right. I'll say this 96% are Rotten Tomatoes, and I believe. The first, the first thing about this movie that we should probably bring up is that a lot of people that don't like the last two movies we talked about, which are your classic John Wayne, Black and White, Westerns, uh that can't stomach that, a lot of them like Ungiven. Now Clint Eastwood in this movie, I some people call him the antihero for me he is not an anti-hero. I he is not your your Quentin Tarantino um John Travolta and pulp fiction anti-hero whatsoever. What I feel like this why this movie is so important is that although he is not John Wayne, although he is not Gary Cooper he is a heroic person but he is morally flawed and I, and Clint would have said as much is that he felt like Western sometimes just kind of glazed over all these hard moral issues and he didn't want to do that with this film. And mm-hmm. so he wanted to really bring some truth and some realism into this. And I think when you listen to this movie, if you just close your eyes, you would think you were listening to like an audio book novel rather than a movie because it's so precisely written Mm. And it's so perfectly done. Ninety six percent are Rotten tomatoes. If you don't like this movie, you're a crazy person.
2: <laughs> should I read should I read you the
1: Google? Sure. Yeah. Okay. When
2: prostitute Delia Fitzgerald is disfigured by a pair of cowboys in Big Whiskey, Wyoming, her fellow brothel workers post a reward for their murder. Much to the displeasure of the sheriff, little big daggett Gene Hackman, who doesn't allow vigilantism vigilantism. in his town, two groups of gunfighters, one led by aging former bandit William Money Clint Eastwood, the other by the florid English Bob Rich Harris, Mm -hmm. come to collect the reward clashing with each other and the sheriff and it's a 1992 film so i didn't realize we were we were going to be watching talking about this one so i'll get to watch it later today with along with all the listeners along with all the what (laughs) along with all of the listeners everybody listening so i i don't have much to say about this one other than i'm excited to see it
1: all seven of our listeners
2: <laughs> we're up to hey, like 11 crazy. now get it right <laughs> I'm going to quote facts you're going you to need to be accurate you know that, very um, committed listeners go ahead mom
0: this was the first Oscar that Clint Eastwood is it the only Oscar Clint Eastwood won I'm not sure but so. it was like he was he. I thought it was interesting re, um, seeing an interview how he had just given up on ever wedding an Oscar that's because Western, mm-hmm. Westerns just didn't, you know, they yeah. they just were, weren't usually nominated. But it won Best Picture, won Best Director, won Best Editing, mm-hmm. and won Best Supporting Actor, which was Jane Hackman. That's amazing. And do you know that that Clint Eastwood wrote the main theme song? It's mm-hmm. called Claudia's Theme.
1: <laughs> so great
0: he he It was interesting i saw gene hackman an interview with gene hackman gene hackman really was not interested in being in this movie which i just can't imagine him not being in this movie but he um when clint eastwood talked to him gene hackman says well i'm just really tired of making violent movies i just don't really i don't want to make another violent movie and so um Clint Eastwood went through the story with him and told him, he said, really, this movie is about making a statement against violence. Mm-hmm. That's interesting.
2: Where can where can people watch this? It's on YouTube, right?
0: You know, I don't know about YouTube.
1: Just buy it on iTunes, because okay, if you so don't watch too. this like 10 times over the next 10 years, you're a crazy person. Okay. I... Mm-hmm. I, I so the movie starts off, I will say this, and I have to give credit to my my buddy Matt from work, who's from Long Island. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being Long Island, being a New Yorker, he's uh, he still hasn't assimilated to, like, Texas culture. So he hates Westerns. He hates John Wayne. He hates all that. Raw, rah rah stuff and I'd seen Unforgiven like a number of times and I'd I'd missed so much on this movie because I just waited for the big showdown at the end and I missed all this underlying stuff but just to give a little bit of background Clint Eastwood character name is William Money he starts off the movie by telling us that his deceased wife cured him of drinking and thus he is no longer the crazed killer that kills women and children. You know, he's not that person that he used to be. However, he does take a contract, and he is sober, to go kill these two cowboys that roughed up this local woman of ill repute. And you start to realize in this movie, you have to really pay attention but he's not drinking. He's telling. He's preaching to everybody, including his two kids. He's he's a widower. His wife, that's this angelic person that saved him from this horrible life. She's passed away at a young age, leaving him with two kids. And he does take this contract sober, and he does go to Morgan Freeman. And Morgan Freeman is his accomplice with this. Also, used to be a a crazy outlaw and what you kind of notice is that even though clint eastwood is giving you all these excuses of how he's not this person that he used to be what gets borne out with the movie is that he is that person that he's been telling himself a lie every character in this movie whether it's cowboy bob little bill um I'm blanking on the name of the the, the Showfield kid. Mm-hmm. Um, all of them are telling themselves a narrative about themselves that they believe, but is false. Mm-hmm. And Morgan Freeman's really the only one that's kind of true to himself. Everybody else is following this sense of morality that they that they think they're doing the right thing, but they're 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 lying to themselves. Yeah. So in that sense, I think what mom was saying is very true. Clint Eastwood is basically saying that violence isn't necessarily the answer. And he's showing you the folly Mm -hmm. in violence and basically the lies people have to tell themselves to gin up this courage to do horrible things. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, like Steven says, the gun gunslinger, young, the young gunslinger, he actually kills one of the guys. And he is Mm -hmm. shaken to the bone in this movie about that. I mean, he's going, um, you know, it's a, he says, um, it's a hell of a thing to kill a man. And, you know, this was, this was, I think, what really attracted Clint Eastwood to this whole script is that, you know, like, like, you know, you do a lot of reading. It says it's hard to tell the good guys from the bad guys. This is not the same kind of movie you would show your kids. Right. Uh Kate. I mean, this is yeah. not this is really a, a very adult film. Yeah, and, I mean, like Morgan Freeman said um when when they were interviewing, he said, you know, violent violence damages your soul. He and yeah. that's what he really thought, you know, people were gonna get from this movie.
2: Right. Well, I love that. I'm excited. I'll i uh it's good to know this is not a we do not recommend kid it's rated R. So not a kid friendly movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but look forward to watching it with Caleb later. And as Steven said, you can find it on iTunes or I on have YouTube. to tell you one thing on yeah,
0: iTunes do. with yes. iTunes. There is, if you go back and look, there is the special features with it. Oh, cool. And one of the spe- special features there's, there's, you know, several, several areas, but one of them is a Maverick e- episode with Clint mm-hmm. Eastwood. Maverick is the old James Gardner. Yeah. And and so in in this episode with Maverick, um, guess who is the who's the one that's kind of challenging challenging him with for you know with it's called Duel at Sundown and it's Clint Eastwood is the gunslinger. Oh, how funny. Oh it's great. It's a great episode. That's awesome. But that was so, so neat that's that. better. mm mm-hmm.
2: That's so super cool. Well, hi, hi, it looks like High Noon can be found on Hulu and The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance mm. on Amazon Prime. Um, and both of those are, I would say, they're easily kid friendly. I mean, Easton certainly enjoyed them.
0: Yeah.
2: And yes, we want to thank Stephen, our special guest, yes, who absolutely. dropped off at the last minute. He has four babies that he takes care of so i'm sure he had a baby emergency and it's probably better that he did drop off mom because he would probably bring up some other (laughs) schnarky (laughs) (laughs) joke. so now we get to talk about it when he's not here (laughs)
0: okay well
2: love you darling love you mom thank you to our listeners stay tuned we'll have steven on again
1: (laughs) Bye -bye. bye guys signing off <laughs> no snarky comments. Um, no I flat. Got a bunch of them written down, but my phone's kind of freezing up right now. And um, no, I go with the normal goodbye. I'm good with that. Really? Thank you to all your uh your li- seven listeners. Thanks for um, it's up tuning to in. 12. <laughs> yeah. Twelve we when you need to get it right, sir. We're not gonna invite you back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well I'll behave myself. Thank you very much. It's so much fun. And thanks. I this was a pleasure.
2: Hey, thanks for being on. We'll have you here again. See y'all. All right bye. bye. Well, we're back. We were gone. That was a lie. You have more to say.
1: It's it's not a real podcast until there's horrible, like, uh, technical issues, right? Right. So we lost you. You didn't just abandon us. I was I was kind of a prima donna in trying to act all cool at the beginning of the show, saying, "Oh, I didn't watch these movies, I just watch these tips and stuff." In reality, I did my homework because yeah. I'm an adult. I take this stuff seriously i was i was i really practice. this is my first podcast and even though you'll have seven listeners i want to perform i'm a performer i want to show up for those seven <laughs> listeners and so i was trying to act cool and i'm sorry about that this is the real me i have a crap ton of notes i would like to get them all out i'm sorry for being a prima donna kate ask me anything who's your
2: favorite sister
1: <laughs> movie well, okay. related uh right.
2: well you had some additional thoughts on unforgiven um yeah
1: say i don't have any questions for you What's the, what? all right well I'll okay take it from here great segue uh <laughs> <laughs> right. so what i like about this is some of the adjunct characters then I, again i'll reference my buddy from long island that open my eyes to some of the nuances of this movie. And one of the biggest ones is Cowboy Bob. Now, Cowboy Bob is a contract killer. He's um, sent to kill these two cowboys that um, cut up this woman of ill repute. And, And so he, when you meet Cowboy Bob, he is lecturing everyone on the attributes of united kingdom and how the united states is this place of, of debauchery and he's lording it he's got this thick english accent
2: richard harris
1: and yes and he's phenomenal in this but one key thing that my buddy from long island points out is even though he's kind of lording over everybody he meets his his quick sh- gun shooting expertise. I'll kill you. And he's being a bully when he runs into Little Bill, the Gene Hackman character. When he first meets him, he loses his English accent. Mm. You gotta pay. You gotta pay attention to it. It's a small detail that I've missed a million times. Credit my work buddy from Long Island, Matt. And he said if you listen to him, he loses his English accent. Mm-hmm. Take from it what you will, but that's kind of a that's kind of a big deal. Which what I love about this oh, British ahead. British
2: people can do so much easier, switch from a British to an English. Obviously, there's a there's a reason why he did it, mm-hmm. but
1: Americans can't
2: really switch to a British accent, an English accent very well at all.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've thought about that too. But I also love how the Morgan Freeman character, when you watch this movie, he's really the only person that's evolved out of all of the characters. Everybody else is kind of stuck to their original self, even though they've lied to themselves that they become older and wiser and more moral. They have it. You'll see at the end that every other character is flawed. The Ned character, which is Morgan Freeman, somebody, the would have killed these people easily. But he's older now. He's married. He's happy, and he can't do it. And that's a subtlety yeah. also that I love in the movie, is that most ninety percent of the movie is basically saying no one ever changes, there is one character who has indeed changed. And probably my favorite scene in this movie is even though Clint Eastwood is basically preaching 90% of the movie that his widowed, deceased wife changed him from being this psychopathic all-time killer by curing him of drinking alcohol, um, There's a moment where his friend Ned, the only righteous character, in quotes, has been killed by uh, little Bill. And he hasn't taken a drop of alcohol the whole movie. And he reaches to the the Schofield kid, grabs his bottle of liquor, telling him, yeah, they killed your best friend Ned. And you see him take the first drink of alcohol. And for me, that's a pivotal part in the m- movie because it's basically Clint Eastwood's character recognizing that his deceased wife never changed him. He is who he is, and that's who he's going to be until he's dead. And he recognizes that everything he's been saying, that how he's a changed man, was a lie. He never was a changed man. Yeah. It, was a, it was a very temporary behavior. Behavior modification. It was. It was kinda, it's kind of. It's kind of like we hear from like people that are addicted to certain substances. I think we can all kind of identify with that. We always. All of us probably all wonder how much change in in any of our own personal lives is temporary versus permanent. I know it's different for everybody, but it's kind of that nuance that they're pointing out, that we can all kind of say we've changed, but have we really changed? Right. And lastly, after everything is said and done, and Clint Eastwood has had his big altercation um, with Little Bill Gene Hackman, which for me, Gene Hackman is phenomenal in this movie. I love him in Hoosiers, but I think this is the quintessential Gene Hackman role, best of all time, because he's got so much. He can be quiet, but when he talks, it's so forceful. Essentially, the biographer that was with originally English Bob and then went to Little Bill that's chronicling this whole story After the altercation of Clint Eastwood and Gene Hackman, he sees Clint Eastwood leaving to get on his horse to ride away, and it's raining outside. And he has these glasses that are getting fogged over with the rain, and he's having to take them off and clean them, put them back on, take them off, clean them, put them back on. And what my buddy said is that's basically telling us, the viewer, that – History is basically in the eye of the beholder, and history is really flawed. That that what really happened is muddled the longer it goes, and the further it gets away from the original sources. And I really think that's true, but I always viewed this movie from the prism that this was a very simplistic Western, and I... I'm talking with my friend now that hates westerns that loves this movie as much as I do. I think this might be the best western of all time. Right up there with the searchers, any of the others, because it's so well edited, it's so concise, it's written like a novel. Nothing is is left a chance. And so that's why I would say to people that don't necessarily love westerns. That's the good to know. High praise. People that don't love westerns. I'm totally like watching this movie. High praise. Only 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, but every time you watch this, if you can't find something new, you're not watching it right. You could watch this two times a year, find something new. Ooh, maybe my favorite movie of all time. Well, and um, I appreciate you letting me on. Don't this call podcast. me again. It's been so much fun.
2: Yeah, I let you <laughs> get it, your last word in. <laughs> Got your last words in. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sharing, <laughs>
1: I guess.
2: <laughs> no, it was good. Thank you, Steven. That was really good.
1: Wow. <laughs> That's,
2: <laughs> oh, I look forward oh, to watching it. Was, it. Yeah, it, was, it was oh, I have to have a follow-up to this. <laughs> if I don't agree with your estimation of it, then just let our listeners know we're going to need a follow-up to discuss. We'll do like a bonus episode. Probably it won't be short. So get that out of your heads. And uh, if I don't like it as much.
1: Well, okay. Sounds great. I love you. I love Mother. I especially love your seven <laughs> followers. Please be looking for my Patreon in the future where I'll release not no content, but please not send me money. All
2: right, Namaste. people, we're really done now, for real. Even if Steven calls me back, he really wants to get back on. It's not happening. So you're good. Signing off.
1: For real. Well, it's, I won't see oh, it. I so, will. Goodbye. I will. Signing off. <laughs>
2: Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Movie Matchmakers.